enterprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest escapes these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my team. Hello, Jessica, and welcome back to the show. Hi, Matt. Thanks so much for having me back. I can't wait to talk to you. You are like one of the most interesting people that I have the chance to talk to. Um, it is just incredible. You are, you know, you've, you've done, you know, you've been on the show before and we've talked about your, your marathon journey and you had 253 marathon. You're, you've obviously excelled at that distance. In our previous episode, you also talk about how like you were this like, you, these are my words. You would never, you would never talk about yourself like this, which is also like part of, part of the interesting part. But you were like this unstoppable force of like movement in all forms. Like you're talking, <laughs> we were talking about like, you were like making like some sort of patio. You're like lifting up boulders in your backyard. You're like, who needs equipment? I'll just pick these things up, throw them around. It's totally fine. And I guess at that point, I should have known. What might happen in the future, which for you has now morphed into a very serious hobby slash endeavor of obstacle course racing. So I'm so excited to chat with you. You had a race this weekend, but I've been meaning to talk to you about this for a while. Yes. Um, it's been a long time coming. I'm actually surprised that it has taken me this long to get into it. Um, I Something, I, I made a post about it kind of before my first race, I think. But um, something that I think back on, you know how you have those random memories from your childhood? And there's this one very vivid one I have of being in, I think, second grade. It was at um, Hinchin Elementary in La Crosse, Wisconsin. And I used to design these obstacle courses at recess and try to recruit kids to race me. So um, <laughs> it was like, you know, it'd be like a lap sprinting around the field. And then you have to like climb over this structure and go through this tunnel and down the slide, you know, silly stuff, stuff second graders could do. But I was really serious about it. Um, and there was this one boy in my class who would always race. Like if I put on a race, he would always join. And I remember one time like I was winning and it was almost, you know, it was the end of the race and we were going down the slide and he was right behind me and his shoe like caught on my pants somehow and so when I like jumped off the slide, he pantsed me <laughs> on the playground and it was so embarrassing, but I'll never forget that. And, um, I just, and, and, and that is why you never did OCR again. Yeah. And that's why it's taken me <laughs> until I'm like 34, however old I am to like actually get into it. <laughs> no, no, but it's just like, it's something that I've always, you know, um, I just love to be active and. For a long time, that was just running. But, you know, when I was a kid, I was the kid always going off into the woods by myself, climbing trees, you know, going hiking, um, doing stuff like that. So I think I think it's something like I just always wanted to do, but never really put all the pieces together. I just made it happen. Yeah, it definitely seems like it fit with you as not just an athlete, but just as a person. Right. Like you, you seem like someone who'd want to do more than more than just run from an athletic standpoint for a lot of people who fall into that, um, but who do love running. Right. It's not that running just some, it seems like it wasn't just it just wasn't enough. Right. It was maybe part of a bit part of a bigger whole for a lot of folks that ends up being like a reason to get into triathlon. Right. Um, and, and, you know, that definitely, I think, works for like a, a very type A person. 
right? Triathlon is very metrics driven and so on and so forth. Where obviously OCR, there's, oh my God. <laughs> it's kind of like the other end of the spectrum. First of all, thank you for like the, the whole pantsing story. The, share, the sharing that was great. Okay. And as someone, like, I understand the vulnerability that comes with that. I can say as when I was a youngster, I was also pants. I think I was pants on purpose. And it was when we were dissecting frogs in seventh grade. And that's why I never oh. became a doctor. Oh maybe there's God. other reasons, but I'm, I'm just going to go with that. worse than second grade. Yeah, it wasn't great, but <laughs> you shared. I'll share. We can all share. If you're listening, we should have live people here. This, we had a live function on this platform. You know, I can say, hey, write in the chat your experience with. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's been pants. Everyone. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So last time we talked, you lived in Southern California. So, and then I remember last time we talked, you at the time were like, all right, I think we're going to move soon. And then we, I think this was like offline. We weren't being rec- we were recording at the time, but it seemed as though it was likely that you were actually potentially moving to like Central America. And you're like, I think this is going to happen. This is like, this is really getting close. My husband, like he has a great job, but he can work from anywhere. This was like way pre-COVID. Like this was like, he could always work from anywhere. And you end up moving to Austin. So tell me about that move. Because I know at the time you were like all in on like what was coming down the pike. Oh, yes. On Costa Rica. And we did buy land in Costa Rica. And we have been working with an architect and contractors. Everything um, drew up our blueprints, um, and we closed on our land, like, I want to say March 14th or something last year. So right as the pandemic was hitting, and we never got a chance to go out there. We had to put a pause on construction, all of this stuff, which um, was really, really frustrating, but also ended up kind of being a blessing in disguise for many reasons. Like, we didn't end up we hadn't yet put down a down payment on construction, which would have been like a lot of money. And had we done that, it would have been halted for a whole year and we would have just spent all that money and who knows even what would have happened to the company. Like it was, it was frustrating, but the timing was actually really good that like our escrow was delayed because everything in Central America, especially Costa Rica moves really slowly. They call it Tico time. It's just If they tell you it's going to be a week, it's probably going to be three weeks. And so things were delayed and ended up being okay. And so then um, we were living in L.A. in a two-bedroom apartment, which, you know, we had a pool, gym. We were right on the marina where we had kayaks and on the beach. So we had a lot of outdoor space and kind of amenities in our complex. But then when COVID hit, all of that stuff shut down, like the trail shut down, the beach was closed, our gym and our pool at our complex was closed. So we had, you know, two kids um, doing homeschool, my husband working from home, me working from home, a dog in this tiny, tiny space. And it was awful. It was so hard. Right. Um, And you're like, we were this close to moving and now we're trapped. And now we're trapped. And so, you know, we made it work for a couple months, but then at some point in that time period, we realized, and I don't know how we didn't know this before, but we found out that when we do eventually move to Costa Rica, um, as an expat, not only are you bound or, you know, obligated to pay federal taxes, 
but you're also bound to the state tax laws of your previous state of residency. So if we were to move straight to Costa Rica from California, we would have been stuck paying almost 13% state income tax indefinitely. For a state that you weren't living in? For a state that you're not living in. And like, if you're, I get it. Like if you're in LA or one of these cities that does have, you know, substantial infrastructure costs, schools, whatever, like I get it. But to pay like that much off the top, we're like, nope, not doing it. So we, you know, Google. <laughs> right, right. If you're not living there. Then what? I think it's like those, it's like those families who like move to a town for the school system. Like they leave once their kids get out of school. Cause they're like, yeah. listen, I moved to this town for the property. The property taxes are sky high because they pay for the schools. Well, guess what? My kid's not at school anymore. Adios. Like, why would you stay there? Exactly. So we we literally like Googled list of states without state income tax and picked our favorite. Like I had never Jessica, even been to Austin. Jessica, New Hampshire is right here. Wait, Live free or die. No state income tax. You, state income. you could have been in New I mean, I'm not in New Hampshire. I'm but I'm an hour and a half away. You guys could have moved could have moved here. You've been climbing mountains. You wouldn't need to get on an OCR course. You just go climb Mount Washington. Yeah, you know. (laughs) I'm sure Austin's better, but it's funny. There were a list, you know, um, (laughs) there were a list of things to qualify for a short list. Um, But one, like, we wanted something. And when I say similar weather to Southern California, like, Austin is more extreme, way hotter and humider in the summer. And obviously we have winter ice, snowstorm, you know, yes, things indeed. now. <laughs> that was crazy. But yeah, so we, um, we, we settled on Austin. I had never been. And the way the housing market is here now, um, unless you're ready to put a really good offer on a house the day it hits the market, you're not going to get it. And we also weren't flying because of COVID. So we weren't able to actually tour any houses or even like fly to Austin and see if we like it. We just kind of took a gamble and we're like, anything's better than the situation we have going on now. And it can be temporary. We'll be saving money. Even if we buy a house that's like four times bigger than our apartment here, which is crazy. There you go. And it wasn't a long-term solution anyway. No, exactly. We, We really just needed to gain residency and we were, comfortable with the idea of it being a year up to a couple of years. So. All right. So you moved to Austin. Um, you looked, you know, listen, a bunch of good reasons why not that you even need good reasons, but it's, certainly I could see exactly where y'all were coming from. You moved to, so moved to Austin was OCR on like in the queue for things that you wanted to try pre-move or was that something that happened post-move? Yeah, it actually was. So, um, at the end of, or so I had registered for CIM 2019 and was tentatively going to take one last shot at OTQ. Um, but after grandma's marathon, which I think that was the last time we spoke on here, um, I was just, I was really burnt out. Like my ferritin levels were really low and I had trained through a cycle like that and I couldn't really get them up. And just like, I had think I had done like three pretty um, intense marathon cycles back to back. And like when I started training for that last cycle of CIM, I just, I mean, one, I got injured. I had a stress reaction and, you know, to kind of cross train when you're just not really in it anyway, that was tough. And then I finally started running. I went and did a half marathon with Kim in Valencia, Spain, and 
we had fun, but I just, I wasn't into, into the marathon anymore. So I did, I was ready for a break and I wasn't sure whether that would be OCR or maybe work on like my 5k, 10k PRs because they're garbage. They're like literally my marathon pace. <laughs> I'm not joking. You, you, hit, you hit them in your marathon workouts. Yeah, basically. So I two do need time, to go and do two that. times 5k PR with one mile in between. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I was like, I was thinking I was either going to try to get into OCR or maybe do some short distance stuff. And I registered for a Spartan somewhere in California. I don't remember, but then I got really sick at the end of December, 2019, which I now do think was COVID. And I was like very sick for several weeks. Um, I ended up getting pneumonia, like coughing up blood, like bedridden, like just like I couldn't even like walk. It was so bad. Um, and it took me a long time to recover from that. Like I lost a lot of muscle mass, like just being in bed all the time. And my lungs weren't right for a couple months. Um, how so was that? You, you have young kids. How was that for you and your family? Your husband is very, if people don't know you're, you're married to Kevin Dorsey, who, if you don't work in the sales industry, there's no reason for you to know that name. <laughs> if you do work in the sales industry, you might know him because he's, you know, he's a really, he's a high level sales coach. He's very popular in that space. And, you know, anyone who he has a, a job like that, they work crazy hours. And here you are bedridden for an extended period of time. What, what was that like on the fam? He, I don't know how he did it because like, honestly, like I just slept for days. And um, then even when I got out of it, it was like I could do kind of like one errand a week, whether that was like school pickup or drop off or going to the grocery store. Um, but it would just like take so much out of me just like walking. I had like, it was a big mind F because I'm someone who's so used to doing everything, especially physically. Like I won't hire laborers like, you know, like we covered in the last one to build something for me. I'll build it myself. Like I carry all the groceries in, in one load and like just walking down the hallway to my car was just like wiping me out. And it gave me a really um, great appreciation for being able-bodied and strong, like, it's so crazy having that taken away. <laughs> hey, everybody. Do you want to save money on your grocery bill? Well, every plate is 25% cheaper than grocery shopping. Try America's Best Value Meal Kit for planning dinners today. I love every plate for a couple of different reasons. First of all, I just love having things in my kitchen, especially in my refrigerator, that isn't the same old thing that I do every single week. Also, getting things that aren't too adventurous that my kids are definitely going to eat. Obviously, you're never going to beat that a thousand with that. But with every plate, my kids have really enjoyed it. And I like the food as well. And it's just not the same stuff every single week, which can get tiring. So you can choose between 17 recipes that change each week, swap proteins and sides for things that you like, so you can switch up your dinner routine however you want. And that's the key thing. It's however you want. There's so many options, and it's all great stuff, which is also huge. For me, the difference between this and some of the other uh, services in this genre are, first of all, the price. It's absolutely fantastic. We'll get to it in a second. The kinds of meals that are provided, that they're really good, but not too adventurous, have also been a huge thing for me. And now I've been using these more often now that groceries have kind of gone up and the price for every plate has pretty much stayed the same. 
So try every plate today. It's $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code RAMBLINGRUNNER179. That stands for $1.79 per meal. So get started with every plate, like I said, for $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code RAMBLINGRUNNER179 today. That's up to $104 value. Our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I heard other podcasters who were really into performance and athletics, people like Rich Roll and Tim Ferriss, who used it all the time. And I thought, hey, man, if they're going to use it, then I should too. And I'm so glad that I did. So what's in this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens, all to help you start your day the right way. The special blend of ingredients support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your focus, your recovery, literally all the things. I mean, there's too many things for me to list. I actually have to like take a pause during the sentence, uh, but it's, it's legit and I'm so glad that I use it. I use it basically because I know that Getting my vitamins and minerals from from foods is probably the best way to do it. But I usually just don't have the kind of diet and make the kind of food choices that's going to put myself in the optimum position. And that's why I take Athletic Greens to make sure that I have everything I need because I know I'm probably not getting it from foods because I just don't quite have the, the discipline or the food choices that I need. And Athletic Greens is there to help me out. And I'm so glad that they are. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash rambling runner. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash rambling runner to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance. So when you were starting to get your health back, and obviously that's also around the time when you're th considering moving and all of that. What was it like getting back into training? Um, because so many people come back from injuries and obviously the hard part is like, all right, coming back and not stepping on the gas too hard and then setting yourself back again. Obviously this wasn't an injury per se, but what was it like coming back into the mix, especially when you are dealing with respiratory issues? Well, at first I thought maybe you, uh, already knew and that's why you're saying that so I, I made the classic mistake I got really greedy like <laughs> um I I, try, I started out coming back really slowly and like I got to the point where I could run like 13 miles but I just I couldn't run further than that like I would you know 12 and a half and I'd be like oh my god this is so hard can I really make it another half mile and it just like I think for like a month straight my long runs were like 13 and I just for me, normally, that's not a lot. Like, I can not be running that much and then go bang out 15, and it's fine. But, like, it just felt so hard. And then I joined one of those virtual 12-hour events, and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm only going to do three five-mile laps. Like, that's my limit. I'm only going to do, you know, 15 tops, and that's only if I'm feeling good. And I was expecting to do, you know, two or maybe three if I had a really good day. And I ended up doing seven, just 35 miles. And, like... I want to say two days later, or like five days later, like I went out for a run and just like, I, I think I took like three steps and I like could barely put any weight <laughs> on my left leg. I, I had a stress fracture. Um, yeah. So 
turned around, didn't do that run, went and saw my orthopedic doctor, got x-rays and confirmed I had a stress fracture. So I did. I set myself back and that was like basically the whole summer kind of rebuilding. So it wasn't really until August that I kind of started building mileage back up slowly. And it was hot and humid here in Austin, which I wasn't used to. So like there were days that I'd run two miles and that would be it. So that must have been a blessing at least. Because obviously, like, it was almost like a governor on yourself that you really couldn't push it just from the, the weather. Exactly. I couldn't. Like, I was running, like, 10-minute miles, taking breaks under the trees, like, in the shade. It was, it was, it was perfect. All right. So, to put, to, it's funny to put this in perspective. So, before that, you're out there crushing, crushing crazy runs whenever you want. And then... You're in this zone where, like, you're doing what must have felt like t- for you the least amount of exercise you've ever done in your life. And now I look at you now. You're doing things that are ins- – I, I can't even believe. Like, it's, it's like I, – I like to, like, occasionally, you know, go down, like, YouTube rabbit holes of, like, people doing, like, crazy workouts or parkour or, you know, a, a million other things. You're You're doing those things now. So – when did it kick in for you where you like really started to turn up the, you know, really turn up the knobs, you know, put your foot on the gas and really go hard after this? Because you obviously got to the point where you were feeling good. We're making it happen. You're doing like, like jump on top of boxes, jump on the on the high jump, jump on the, the pull up bar, doing pull ups, circle around, do it again. Like you're doing all this stuff. You got the kids in the background. You're managing them the whole time. You're going barefoot the whole time. This whole thing is wild to me. It's really fun to watch. It's exciting. And if someone's just listening to this now, they don't realize that, like, that's like the punchline. Like, you're talking about, like, hey, I went through the, the COVID thing. I had a stress fracture. I'm running two miles at a time, hanging out underneath a tree. Like, yeah. you came around pretty quick after that, though. You know, it wasn't, though. It wasn't no? quick. I mean, I don't know. It felt, it never feels quick when you're in it, you know? And, like, I saw all those incremental changes. And, like, for a lot of last year, like, I kind of thought like competitive running and like that level of, I didn't know that I would ever be there. That sounds dramatic, but like, I just, I can't even explain how, like how low it took me just being sick. And then on top of that, like, you know, kind like coming partway back and then getting injured. Like I just, I've never been at that out of shape. And, you know, I don't run, I don't exercise to aesthetically look a certain way or, you know, be a certain weight or leanness. So I don't say it in that way, but like my body composition had just completely changed. Like I lost so much muscle when I was sick and then, you know, it's really hard to build that back when you can't do a lot. And so like, I just, I felt like I started from (laughs) like way down here and my fitness was so bad. Like I just, I remember thinking like anything past an hour, like when I got to the point where I could run like three, four miles, I was like, I can't wait until I can run an hour, but that's so hard. So like it took months, like it wasn't fast, but I feel like once, once it kind of clicked, I did one of those like virtual trials of miles competitions, which was like really intimidating to me because I hadn't like 
run any miles sub seven, which is, you know, so my marathon pace is well below seven and I hadn't even done like one and I wasn't sure if I could. Right. Cause your marathon pace was what, like 645, 640, 636 or 637. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, I just, I was like one of the organizers, like sent me a DM on Instagram, like, do you want to register? And I think probably because my marathon PR is in my bio. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I'm not a 253 marathoner right now. Like, <laughs> you have no idea. And and it was so nice. He was like, no, just like, you know, still do it. We need women to fill like the Austin bracket or whatever it was. And I was like, okay, I need an excuse to kind of find out where my fitness is. And I won't do it on my own. So so I um, signed up and that kind of tore the Band-Aid off on the hard running. And that was a really good jump start for me and kind of made it fun. Like there was a small group of, of runners here in Austin that I got to know. And um, that just made it way easier to go out and put one hard effort in a week and kind of surprise myself. Well, thank you for setting me straight because it definitely felt like it came on fast and it obviously didn't. So thank you for... <laughs> For making sure that I didn't just like skate by on that assumption. Um, and it's all relative. Like maybe that's fast for some people. It felt so slow to me. <laughs> no, I mean, for sure. I mean, shoot, man. I, anyone who's been injured knows like three weeks can feel like, oh my God. Right. Eternity. You can just go through like a whole mental roller coaster in three weeks. There's no question about it. So I can ensure that like for you, and it was certainly much longer than that. And especially from someone who, you know, some people like, you know, there's certain people I'm, I'm like, I feel like there's a range, right? And it's not like a black or white thing, but there's a range of like some people who are just like, they're just really active people. They're going to be active, whether they're an athlete or not, they're always going to be moving, right? Like Sarah Bishop's a great example of this. She's been on the show a bunch, right? My mother-in-law is a great example of this. My mother-in-law is not an athlete, but she's up 21 hours a day and she never stops moving and she's doing stuff all the time. All the time. It's in, I live across the street from her. I get to see it firsthand. Oh, wow. <laughs> right? So, like, she's constant. And I feel like you're on that end of the range, right? We've talked about this before. That's definitely, like, your style. I'm, like, on the other end. Where, like, I can be active. I can be an athlete. But, like, I need to, like, wherever long I run for, I need to, like, I need to nap for or I'm going to be cranky. I never nap. But, like, if I could, I would. Right? Um, Like, my son's that way. Like, my son's, like, he can be super active. But, like, we better get his butt on the couch afterwards because he's going to be a handful of crankiness. Yeah, my oldest that, too. He gets that right from this guy. <laughs> so, um, and that it's just funny. So I say that to say that you, I see you being on the end of the range, which I can see being waylaid from being active, while obviously something that physically is frustrating and you know a hurdle that you have to get over. How did how did it work for you mentally and emotionally? being handicapped in that way, at least temporarily. Yeah, it was hard, like, especially because, you know, it was an unprecedented year, like it it was with the pandemic and all the kind of social racial reckoning going on in our country. And so I feel like my stress was at an all time high without an outlet for it. So um, it just it wasn't easy. It was a hard year, you know, like, I had a hard time focusing on anything. Like, I feel like I just like had this kind of constant mental fog. And for the first time in a long time, I couldn't listen. If I did, once I start started getting out running um, again, or even just walking, 
it was really weird. I couldn't listen to anything. Like I used to always listen to podcasts on, and I started being able to listen to music and podcasts again, I would say in the last like two months, maybe, but I couldn't listen. It would give me more anxiety. And sometimes the craziest thing, like I've never done this, but like, I would just be out on my runs and sometimes I would need to stop because even like my own heartbeat would just kind of freak me out. So especially Austin has so many trails and in my neighborhood, especially like there's trails, like I I think maybe like four trailheads less than a mile from my front door. So especially like with a um, kind of sensitive shins and then, you know, just stress relief. Like that's where I do a lot of my runs on the trails and I would just like go out there. I would not have any music and sometimes I would just stop and I would just like do slow breathing in nature and just just I needed everything to stop so (laughs) I don't know if that answers your question but um it was hard and I just like had to kind of shut as much things out as I could and you know moving is definitely a part of not just like what I love to do but I think it helps me work through things and so when I wasn't doing it as much as I like to that just made things worse yeah, I can imagine. Um, so after Trials of Miles came to a head, and you said it was like ripping off a Band-Aid and really kind of getting into it, and obviously your body was ready for that exertion as well, so it was able to respond to the training and the moment and all of those things. When did you consciously make the decision, okay, I want to I want to start getting into OCR, and then once that decision is made, obviously it doesn't preclude other things, but you are, I want to start moving in this direction – what what do you do next? Because like you want anyone watches an OCR competition or training, like there seems to be no limit of things that you can do to train. It's like, all right, I did these, I've trained these 100 ways. You go to a course, there could be three things new that you haven't worked on. So like, how do you even begin to start that process? So the, um, the big things, obviously like you need good endurance and aerobic fitness. Like you just, you can be the strongest person in the room and you're not going to get anywhere if you don't have an aerobic engine. So at that point I had built a, built a good base and I have that going for me, but you need really good grip strength. And so whether that's from hanging stuff like, you know, pull-ups, monkey bars, carrying kettlebells, like farmers carries, that sort of thing, you need a lot of strength. Um, like the last obstacle in the Savage Race this weekend was a 110 pound chain that you have to yank, I think, 60 feet into the air. And so, I mean, I don't know exactly how much I weigh, but it's about that much. So <laughs> like when I was like, there's a bar you can kind of brace your leg on to pull. But if my foot slipped off that, I was hanging in the air like I couldn't pull it down. Like I'm imagining just, like the movie up where they just like, like the balloons are going up, up and they're just getting, yeah. And, and if you get it all the way up, then you can't just let it drop. You have to like let it down slowly. And so my foot got wrapped in the slack rope and I got so scared that I was going to get pulled up. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you need like legit strength, like heavy strength training, um, balance. A lot of it's technique, like, knowing how to move your body through space. Um, there's probably so much other stuff that I just don't even know about yet. Right. Cause you see like, it's like, it's really it's like you're going through and around and carrying and all of these things. So do you really just try to focus on like principle? I know, I know like you're not like this experienced OCR yeah. racer, but you're, 
But, you know, while you are new to the scene, like, you're pretty good, too. So this is interesting because, like, um, like, do you just focus on, like, general principles and then go from there? Or do you kind of stick with, like, we do some general stuff, but also, like, here are things that are common, so let's practice them. How does that work? Yeah, so until this past weekend, I literally just wrote my program out yesterday, and I can share that with you. But until this past weekend... I saw that. That was a great post. You're like, I got to (laughs) start organizing this thing. Like, this is serious. Like, I had been, once I, you know, I registered for Spartan, and then I was like, ooh, like, I got 10 days. I'm going to, like, work so hard. And then I kind of realized, like, you don't make strength or endurance gains faster than two weeks. You know, like, it takes time for those things to really take effect. Um, so really before Spartan and even Savage, like I didn't do anything special. Like I didn't do any heavy carries really in training. I think I did like one time, but I was afraid of doing too much loaded stuff just because I'm very conscious of the impact on like my shins. Um, but I mean, I pretty regularly do pull-ups, I would say a couple times a week. I just, I was kind of doing things that were fun to me, but no real structure. I was like, oh, like, it'll be fun to see if I, how many pull-ups I can do with like Louisa on my leg or, you know, let me see how many times I can go back Which and forth. Louisa's with... your daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Someone's like, is her friend hanging from her legs? No, no. She's, Who's this person? She's like four, almost five, but she's very small. So it's like not that crazy, <laughs> but you know, just things like that, but no sort of, um real consistency or anything like that. And, um, but I, I also know like I can do maybe 15 pull-ups, which is more than most people. So I just kind of felt like, Oh, like it'll be fine. Like I can get through these things, but it's not fine. Like if you want to actually compete and, you know, shoot for a podium spot, like these girls are so serious. They're fast. They're really strong. They practice on obstacles. And so, um, at Savage Race this past weekend, I, I just, I was doing really well and like feeling really good about it. And then I got caught up on this one obstacle and I was there for 20 minutes and just went from second place to like, I don't even know, like I, I didn't even look at the results because it was just, I was not even close. Um, and so I just realized like, I have a lot of work to do and just kind of doing what sounds fun on the day it's not going to really give me any the results that I'm after. And so I sat down and I made a very structured program that I'm excited to follow. The list of things. So I saw like you post like the list of things and maybe it even expanded from there. And it wasn't in a um, calendar format. It was more bullet point. Like here's like, yet. <laughs> yeah, like, it was like pull-ups, you know, like three times a week. Right. It's just an example, but it was like 15 things on the list. And I was like, at first glance, like, all right, this makes sense. All these things are important. I can totally get where she's coming from. And then I'm like, wait, <laughs> putting all this into a calendar in terms of how many days a week, like, this is going to be a lot. It was like 55 miles a week of running and you're doing all this lifting. It was like, it really got me like thinking like, all right, how would someone manage to put all of this into a schedule? Because it did seem like a lot of things. And does the, does the idea of putting it into a, like an organized format, very similar to like how you approach your running in the past, does that take away from the sense of play that you enjoyed with the prior training? Or is this something that you can do and it doesn't take away from like the, the enjoyment of the sport? 
Definitely not. Like it definitely doesn't take away um, because I enjoy like following a plan and, um, you know, seeing results and getting better. So I'm super excited about it. Like, honestly, before I made this plan, all these things were things that I knew I should be doing, but I was, you know, every day I didn't know what my run would be and I would just kind of do something. And then I'd be like, well, I should lift, but should I do it today? Oh, I don't know. So then I wouldn't do it. And more so like I kind of had some anxiety about all the things that I wasn't doing that I knew I should be doing and like wanted to do, just didn't really know how to put it all together. And so making that list and being like, okay, these are the components that are really important. How can I do this in a way that, you know, I'm not going to get injured and I'll get the most like bang for my buck. Um, so I'm super excited. Like, and I'm also like a scatterbrain. So if I didn't have it on a calendar, I would have no idea. Like, did I, you know, do this this week or what left do I have to do? Well, there are so many things to remember. Just looking at the bullet point list, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I can't even remember, like, last time I did sit-ups, never mind, like, these, these 14 other things. So how has, you know, you mentioned before, you know, you just said it, that you didn't have some sort of schedules planned. But you obviously have been doing strength stuff for a long time. And, and you've been working on your body from a strength perspective prior to this endeavor. But obviously, you took it to another level here with, with what, what you've been up to. How have you noticed uh, its effect on you as a runner? Cause you're still putting in serious miles. Yeah. Um, so the last couple of weeks going into the Savage race, which was this past weekend, when I did try to become like more intentional with the strength training and the grip stuff, my miles dropped to like 30 to 35. And it was just, I couldn't get them. I couldn't get everything in, um, because I didn't have a plan. And so, um, that that was a little frustrating. I haven't, um, so I don't really know how it's affected my running yet. Just like this week, I'm kind of on, I'm back on track to hit, you know, 55 probably. Um, and I did a track workout last night. My legs felt really tired. Um, I think still from the race, but I was still able to hit close, like the paces that I was shooting for. Um, so I think as long as I, um, the way I've scheduled the programming, it's like I do the hard lifting the same days as my hard running and I'll do my running workouts first. And even the lifting that I do two out of the three days, um, I'll be lifting heavy weight, low reps with long rest. So that allows me to really increase like my strength and power, but without feeling sore the next day. So it's not going to take away from any of my running workouts and lifting that way. You also don't like bulk up, so it shouldn't slow me down either. And then there's just one and day. It's not, a week. And it's not a cardio workout because you're basically making sure you're completely 100% to go for the next set. Exactly. Like I can, you know, go, I'll do like, you know, one heavy set of deadlifts and then I'll wait like four or five minutes. And so it, it doesn't take that much time. It's long rest intervals, but I can, you know, come in and do the dishes while I'm waiting, go back out, you know, to the garage and get it done. So those workouts will be super easy to implement and shouldn't affect my running at all. Um, there's just like one strength endurance day that I know I'll feel destroyed after. I haven't done it yet. That'll be tomorrow. So I'll let you know. <laughs> Have an addendum on the pod. Yeah. Jessica Dorsey, Jessica Dorsey, one minute after the workout. So how'd it yeah. go? <laughs> the live, live interview. Um, 
the reason I bring this up too is that I'm fascinated by this because so many runners, I mean, if you've heard it once, you've heard it a million times, is that runners say like, hey, I only have so much time in the day. I know I need to do more strength stuff, but like, I feel like if I stop, if I, if I put this in, I'm probably going to be taking something out. Again, don't, doesn't have to be that way. Oftentimes we can, we can make things work and things like that. Um, but I think about OCR and I think about how signing up for something like this would really mandate someone to like get some of this stuff done. And it seems like a lot of the work that someone would do to be prepared for this would be the exact same sort of thing that would help them as runners from a core strength perspective. And I, again, this is just my, this is just my theory. Um, again, not like my theory. This is something I was thinking about. Um, but I love to, as someone who's an accomplished runner and who spent time doing this, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Okay. So I completely agree with you. Um, my very first sub three, I was running three days a week, 35 miles a week. Um, I was doing intervals one day, a tempo run. So intervals like Tuesday, tempo on Thursday, and then a long run on Saturday or Sunday. And that was it. Like no easy running, no, like just that. And then I was lifting two to three, three days a week doing similar strength program that I just talked about, like where you lift very heavy, but you take short or long rests and it's short reps. Like you're never doing more than like four or five reps at a time. And sometimes it's one or two. And so I just, I got so strong. I was, I was squatting, like, I want to say 250 or 265. And at that point, like, you know, that's two and a half times my body weight. And I was like the smallest I'd ever been, but the strongest I'd ever been. And I, I took my PR from like 305 to 255, like ran way faster than I expected. And that was the only program or the only uh, marathon cycle that I, my only sub three marathon cycle, I should say that I was lifting like that. And it was by far my easiest marathon. Like I never got tired. I had a huge negative split. My legs just like felt they were so strong. Like I didn't break down. Um, and so it, it doesn't have to take away and there are different ways to do it. But a lot of it is what kind of rep ranges are you doing? You know, are you, what are your goals with it? Like, right. And it's interesting too, because it, it obviously, we also to put into context, right? It's not like you came into running and then did that plan, right? Like yeah. you built up like an aerobic base before then that, you know, that it's not as if like someone's like, Hey, I'm new to running. I'm going to follow the plan Jessica Dorsey did. And I'm going <laughs> to be great. It's like, maybe uh, who am I to say? No, Well, but it's not as if like, until then I had always only run three days a week. Oh yeah. So I had a hip surgery. Um, like 11 years ago, I think. And my physical therapist at the time told me it would be better for me to do like every other day hard versus, you know, running five, six, seven times a week. And so I just found a running program or a marathon training program that fit like three days a week. And so that was all I ever did up until that point. That's right. Okay. Now it's funny. We haven't had that conversation in a while, so I forgot about the part. Okay. Yeah. So this is a great, this is a great point. You know, cause let's dive into this because so many people go into that and thinking, okay, again, there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat. So you had this plan oh, for a while. So how long were you on the three day a week plan? So I did, I did my very first marathon. That was LA marathon following that, but I was really running like 
two times a week with that. That was like I had a, a newborn at home, a baby. And so if I could get three days, that was really good. But usually it was like two days. So I did LA marathon and then I did mountains to beach marathon following it three days a week. I did my first CIM and that was a 305. And then I added in the strength training and that's when I dropped down to 255. And then there were a few marathons in there in between where I was kind of just like running with friends or something, but. So, so you were able to put in a ton of miles though in those three days. It wasn't like you were doing like six miles, right? You're talking like each one of those days, I mean, you're averaging 12 miles a day on those days. If you're putting in 35 miles a week on three days. So that was the max. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So it wasn't the average. Yeah, definitely not the average. It was like 30 to 35 at the max. And by the end, you do like a 20 mile long run with um, like 10 seconds slower than marathon goal pace. Um, The interval days would be anywhere from, I think, like maybe five to eight miles with warm up and cool down. And then the tempo would be up to 10 miles. Gotcha. Yeah, this is so interesting. All right, so this, this that obviously it works for you, worked great, and here you are. So, so then I have to ask because we're just talking about how you were hoping to get the miles back up to like fifty five now. Yeah, I'm assuming that's not on three days a week of running. No, so no, I'm so are, is, is your has your hip come along or is it like what what's what's going on with that? Yeah, so um, that was just like what my hip or my physical therapist said when I first, you know, came out of surgery and it worked that first marathon cycle. And I was just afraid, you know, sometimes when you recover from an injury, like you feel like your body's still broken or you're afraid to break it again. So I just stuck with what worked and, you know, I was still seeing improvements with it. So I didn't really see a reason to change. It worked, you know, for my schedule, it was flexible. I wasn't spending a ton of time running. Um, And so that, you know, that was easy to follow, easy to implement. And then after I broke three that first time, I was kind of getting to the point where I'm like, I don't think I can run any faster with these workouts. Like they're so intense. Every, like, even though it was only three days, each day was very hard. And so mentally that's just like, you never have an easy run. You can only do that so many times. And so um, I started working with a coach and trying more traditional marathon training program. And I got up to like 70 miles in those cycles. And just enjoyed running more, like more regularly. You have some easy days in there. You can, you know, do stroller runs, runs with friends. Um, So I think 50 to 55 is just kind of what I enjoy doing now. Right. And I would think that you don't want to be sore all the time either because you're trying to do all these other things. Right. So if you're putting in 70 miles a week and you're like, hey, it's time for me to go do these workouts. You're like, but I'm toast. I can't get them done. Yeah, that'd just be excessive. And even, even honestly, the 50 to 55 that I may find that to be excessive too. I'm just, I'm hoping I can maintain it because I, that's, I kind of like being in that range. But if I have to cut out some miles, I will. Well, it's also interesting because if you're running on these trails, that's different too than if you're, you know, downtown LA running on blacktop all the time. Um, that can, that can, that also can feel different. So you just came off this race. You had huge high hopes. You were, you were in second. <laughs> then you you had like this like cheddar cheese thing you're trying to scale that doesn't go your way. Um, and obviously, like you mentioned, like you didn't, you didn't check the results for a reason. Like this didn't yeah. happen for you. <laughs> but 
you had a great, you, know, you obviously were coming along and you're excited. You're here you go. We're going to make this happen. You finish the race and you're immediately like, okay, well, how can I improve? Let's get it going. So what's on tap and what are the things that you're hoping to accomplish? And, or like, what do you, you know, when you set goals or you want to achieve something, um, maybe it's not, a, maybe it's not like a result per se, but where, where are you hoping to go as an athlete here? Um, it's funny. You were talking about the YouTube rabbit holes earlier, like, Years ago, my husband and I were on a YouTube rabbit hole watching CrossFit, you know, people do crazy things. And I remember seeing someone do a weighted pull-up being like, wow, like, I wonder what the, I wonder if I could do that. And I asked my husband, like, do you think I could do that? And it was a big weight. And he was like, yeah, like, maybe, I don't know. His answer wasn't like, he didn't seem convinced enough that I could do it. So I was like, "I, I wonder what the world's record is. And then I Googled that and I'm like, I want to get the world's record. So I started like doing these weighted pull-ups, like thinking that I was going to get the world's record. And I trained for it really hard. Like within a couple of months, got to the point where I could do like 55 pounds, like added weight. So, I mean, I, I got far. I didn't get the, not even close. The world record at that point was like 90 pounds for women. Um, but like typically when I get into these things, like I think I can be the best and I want to be the best. So my goals with this, like, I want a podium, like, <laughs> every race I go to, I'm like, I try to compete, I put my, you know, I compete as long as I can at Spartan that um, my very, my first one a couple weeks ago. Um, it was like, just crazy terrain, not even trails, you're just bushwhacking through just crazy fields with long grasses and holes and over, like through piles of wood. And um, I was trying to hang on with three very fast, like, so two of the top five ranked women in the country. And then Lauren Stroud, you may know her. She's an Olympic trials marathoner who's also just jumped into OCR. So I was trying to keep up with those girls and, you know, it was 37 degrees. Our eyes are watering. You can't see you're on the super technical train. And I, my foot went in a hole and I face planted, like going into these obstacles, like face planted in the dirt and then like kind of lost them. And, you know, if you're when you're in it and you're in those packs, like you go way faster than you think you can because you're just a little more reckless and you, you're able to like up that intensity. Whereas like when you're by yourself, like you might think you're still going fast, but you're not even close to where you need to be. So I just go in there and I, you know, go nuts and try to hang on as long as I can. And I got a lot further (laughs) than I did the first time last weekend. So that's my goal. Um, Spartan, Austin is coming up in about a month. And so I'm going to be there, hopefully a lot stronger um, and more efficient on the obstacles. Like my first burden, I like get up to the obstacle and ask the volunteers like, okay, like, am I allowed to touch this? Like, can I touch that? Like, and I'm trying to like put everything back where it belongs and they're like, just go. So I'm learning things and learning how to be more efficient, but yeah, I want to I want to compete with the top women and see if I can get on the podium. All right. That's <laughs> it's so exciting and I know you have that in you. I've seen, I've seen these results as well and and I'm very aware of all of this stuff. And it's so funny to hear you talk about it because I know how competitive you are. I know how driven you are. You're using this great example of like I saw someone do a weighted pull up once. So I decided I wanted to set the world record. Not like I want to it's try so crazy. it. It's so I want to set the world record yeah. in this thing that I didn't know existed 10 minutes ago. Yeah. Um, so 
And at the same time, anyone who's listening to this can hear how humble you are. You know, you're, you're, you know, again, you're, you're, you're kind of a reserved person. You're low key. You and I have had conversations all fine before. Like, do you snap into a different zone when it's game time? Because you don't come across as like this very like, not, not that you have to be, but you don't come across as like an aggressive, really like let's go kind of person. However, when I see these results and see you going after things with such like, I want this so bad type fever, it makes me wonder if like, if like, you know, David Goggins has this great quote, right? When he's not racing, he's David. And when he's racing, he's Goggins. And these are two, these are like, maybe he even has like distinct separate personalities, but he kind of has how he articulates it. And I was wondering if maybe something like that is going on with you as well. No, honestly, like not at all and not enough. Like my husband gives me so much um, SHIT because I just, I cannot get to that level of like competitiveness. Like even with running, like there's times like in races, like there's like someone close to me and I like see them working hard. I'm just thinking like, oh, I bet you like they train so hard or like they really deserve this. And I have a really hard time like engaging with other people in that way. And like, you know, even at Savage Race, like seeing other women struggling on the rig, like I'm like shouting at things like to kind of help them through because I want to see them get through too, even if that means like they're going to get through before me. Um, And so I do have a hard time seeing people as my competition but at the same time I have like really high goals like I think I can be there and I think like oh I could do that like I just need to you know work really hard but one thing that I wish I was better at was like engaging with competition and like get it like I don't know man it seems to be working for you Jessica I think I think you're like this very enlightened person I mean like you're like if the Buddha took up OCR like this is like I feel like I feel like what I described is like the Neanderthal version of this. And you're like at this completely different plane. I just like, I know I, I can just do my best and like, I'll feel way better about it. Like it makes me feel better to like help people or make them, I don't know, like cheer them up or encourage them. Like that actually makes me feel better. And so I think that'll make me do better too. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't have that like race angry thing. There you go, and you don't even have to, right? I think it's it's how it's how people uh, articulate it, or just like how they experience it, right? Because there's so many people who don't even race angry, but who can snap into like, I will die on this course, yeah, before I give an inch. Again, it doesn't have to be from a point of anger. It can just come from a point of like, this is where I draw a line in the sand and whatever. Um, but anyway. Thank you so much for sharing all of this, Jessica. It has such been uh, a pleasure to talk to you, not only about all of this, but to follow along. Um, I would recommend anyone following you, anyone who's hearing this should follow you on Instagram because it is really enjoyable. It's like a TV channel of like fun stuff because it's not like you're like putting out all this like content like all the time, but every time you put out stuff, I like I rewatch it. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Um, so uh, I'll have this in the show notes as well. But if someone uh, is so inclined, where can they follow you over on Instagram? On Instagram, I'm mama in the fast lane. Mama in the fast lane. Indeed. Well said. All right. So, Jessica, thank you so much, and good luck uh, at your race coming up in four weeks. <laughs> thank you so much, man. 
This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest of states these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got.